politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow Ukrainians standing at the ready to lie our lives down for the Ukrainians. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here in the house in what was formerly the United States of America. Um, We are trying to at least focus people's attention on the fact that we do have our own country and countrymen and our own concerns, and we're not always going to bow down on other people's swords. Um, Look, I understand yesterday's show was very morbid and um, very down, and I'm going to try to come up with some solutions. Guys like you were good at sending me notes yesterday, and you could always email me, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com or danielhorowitz at startmail.com. You know, there are some good ideas we have. Maybe we need to focus on just one state, one area. Um, focus more at county strike force teams rather than maybe state. Maybe that's something that's easier to do. But what I want to explore today, and we're going to have uh, Congressman Massey on later to help us out, what animates these Republicans and even the more conservative ones and even some people and, uh, and all my fellow talk show hosts that they refuse to focus on their own country? And what I want to say is, the divide between someone like me, Steve Dace and I, versus you know these other big talkers and then obviously these elected Republicans, and that includes the Freedom Caucus, by the way, is not so much a divide over strategic foreign policy. Although I will tell you, none of them are thinking strategically and actually offering an endgame. What do they hope to accomplish there? It's actually rooted in domestic policy. Because if you watch carefully, by and large, these are the same people that were either ambivalent or were downright on the other side of COVID fascism. They might talk about the border here and there, but they don't get it. They don't really care. They don't really understand. They think it's the West versus the East. It's this former Soviet Union, Reagan era nostalgia. And the reality is there is no West. The West is even more corrupt. So what are you fighting for? You're fighting for the Biden administration, which is a client state of China and NATO. Well, Daniel, these are always, you know, you know, it's, it's our SOBs versus the Russian SOBs. Yeah, but our SOBs are SOBs. There's no clean play to be made. And if you want to have a clean play foreign policy one day, you have to fix what's going on domestically. And, and they claim to agree that our system's broken, but then when it comes to this, they just lose themselves. Now, with all this going on, at some point, we might need to look elsewhere. I never would have thought of advertising for this in the past, but if you go to buypanamanow.com slash conservative, you could find out about buying property in Panama. Maybe to live there, maybe to invest there. Either way, it's worth up to 10 times more because Panama is a high-income nation, They use the U.S. dollar as currency, but everything you own there is worth 10 times more. Um, Right now, as a fan of my show, you can learn more about this opportunity by getting the complete Invest and Retire in Panama series, including the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama, along with four videos all for free. So check it out at buypanamanow.com slash conservative. So I want to read an article from Roll Call CQ magazine to so you understand where the Republicans beating heart is now 
We are all Hunter Biden now. We are all obsessed with funding this pay-for-play, and, and, and make no mistake about it. There's something more going on here than just the spontaneous human reaction to you know seeing in real time one country invade another and you know obviously cause such duress and pain and, and death to, to the people. There clearly was this preordained, pre-orchestrated emotional indulgence orgy, just like they did with COVID, which was planned. And I believe BLM and, and J6, the other catalyzing events over the last few years, and they have many more of these. It's not a matter of the Ukrainian people versus freaking Putin. There's something, something much more going on. It doesn't mean that there aren't innocent people and said whatever, but what are you going to do about it? Because there is an ulterior agenda here. Ukraine has been a sinkhole for Hunter Biden-style Western corrupt globalist masters of the universe to set up shop there, and that is why they are so obsessed with it. And that is why the media cycle is insane. Because remember, if this was really about, this is a Hitler, he's going to wipe everyone out, This is and, and, and all the dominoes are going to fall, and he's going to keep taking back Eastern Europe, there's 30 European countries. They're all literally getting up there. Macron, the, the French dude, was out there saying he's going to kill everyone in Ukraine. So why don't you send troops? If each country would get together, if, you're, if, if this is the most unifying moment ever, and it's the most moral clarifying moment, go and take him out. It's one man against the entire world. Not a single one will pledge anything meaningful. But of course, what do they want? As always, the United States, and, and that doesn't mean the corrupt government, it means our treasure, our money, to dive headfirst without anyone else helping, without any understanding how in the long term you're going to sustain whatever you put in with a corrupt government there, with eastern Ukraine, which is ethnic, eth ethnically Russian, always going to agitate Putin, even if you kick him out now, he's always going to have his hand in it. It's going to be another sinkhole. Have we learned nothing from Afghanistan? Nothing from 20 years of failure where we just dive head first. You have to make a play. We'll worry about the consequences later. Trillions of dollars. Thousands of lives, lives lost. So much military prowess depleted. Such a massive percentage of our combat soldiers with PTSD. And they think that we could sink this much money in it and it won't draw this out? So anyway, the article during um, President Joe Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday night, his remarks on Ukraine drew perhaps the most bipartisan applause. But the unity was illusory. Now you might think they're about to say Republicans are going to start questioning the wisdom of you know who, who this Zelensky is, what we're focusing on, and the, and, and the Republicans will be like, wait a minute. We get there's something wrong, but to the extent there's something wrong, it's because you cut off our energy, and we're going to have a budget fight over energy, we're going to have a budget fight over illegal immigration, and we're going to have a budget fight over the COVID fascist mandates that affect the very military that you want to put on the hook. No, that's not what they said. They, they think he's not doing enough to indulge the Davos Klaus Schwab position on Ukraine. Republicans pressed the case Wednesday that they are more interested than Democrats in quickly providing new weapons to Ukraine and imposing punishing new sanctions on Russia. Senator Marco Rubio offered legislation that would provide 6.4 billion supplemental spending 
that the Biden administration says it wants for responding to the Ukraine crisis. Um, Republicans are calling for such a bill to move forward promptly. Democrats want to put it in the budget bill. Republicans have also accused the White House of wanting the Pentagon's share of the aid package subtracted from the total amount. So notice they want to spend more. Biden at least is saying, look, we'll take it from the Pentagon budget. There's like trillions of dollars that Republicans spent funding and underwriting the COVID lockdowns. That's not enough for them. And they have the nerve to run on fiscal conservatives and cutting spending. Are you kidding me? We're bankrupt a hundred times over. What do you think the inflation, the, every Republican, the, their new buzzword, Mitch McConnell said they're going to run on inflation. Where do you think it comes from? And we're just going to send $6.4 billion on top of everything we've been sending for 20 years? Unbelievable. It is unbelievable what is going on here. Rubio's bill appears to be the first detailed legislative proposal made public that spells out how to allocate the $6.4 billion. Some lawmakers want upwards of $10 billion, but almost all are behind spending at least $6.4 billion. It would provide $2 billion of total to the State Department for humanitarian and infrastructure issues. Yeah, that, that's going to go well. Another $4.4 billion to the Pentagon. $1 billion would replace defense assets that the U.S. military transferred to Ukraine or NATO. Why? Why do we? I don't get it. This is their backyard, and they're saying this is World War II all over again. Could we at least wait for them to take the first step, and then maybe we come in behind them? But if they're not going to take the first step, does that not tell you there's something awry here? Small arms, grenade launchers, ammunition, men, portable missiles and rockets and ready-to-fire configuration, night vision goggles, drones, communication equipment, bulletproof armor. Um, yeah, that, that's real great. Then they want another billion to give to Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. Um, yeah. And another billion will go towards DOD cyber defenses to protect critical infrastructure, nuclear command, and then $400 million would help the Defense Department deliver humanitarian aid to Ukraine. So I guess there's the $2 billion in State Department humanitarian aid and then the $400 million of DOD humanitarian aid. Um, neither the administration nor congressional Democrats have provided much detail about what the White House's request is. Um, but they're, So they're basically arguing over who's going to give more money to Ukraine. We have, at a minimum, several million people that have been damaged by these shots. Shots that were shoved on them without informed consent. And they're absolved of liability. Why not pay reparations? If you, I didn't know we have like billions more after this. We have unlimited supply. Why not at least pay them? Nothing. They could drop dead. This is disgusting. It's utterly disgusting. In a new conference, a news conference Wednesday, Senate Republicans un- underscored Ukraine's need for more newer weapons. Idaho Republican Jim Risch, that's what we have from Idaho, ranking member of the Foreign Relations Committee, proposed legislation last month that would authorize $500 million in foreign military financing for Ukraine and appropriate $250 million of it so Ukraine can obtain U.S.-made air defense, anti-armor, and anti-ship systems. 
His measure would set up the Ukraine Resistance Fund to help arm insurgents. I mean, we have not supplied enough weapons to Ukraine. Damn it. Can you believe this crap? This is what makes their heart beat. We have not done enough for the other people. Ask not what Ukraine could do for you, but what you can do for Ukraine. Folks, I I just got off the phone with a Border Patrol agent. They caught 44, 44 people on the known terror watch list coming through the Del Rio sector. That's kind of central, uh, south central Texas. Del Rio Border Patrol sector in just three weeks. And again, most of the high-valued people are crossed over in a way that we don't catch them because of the all the illegals that are thrown over. And there's plenty others that are terrorists, but they just don't happen to have a known paper trail. These are the ones with a known paper trail. It just doesn't matter. Our own border doesn't matter. The stories, next week we're going to try to have some ranchers on. Ranchers. It's unbelievable. I want I actually you know what I want to get into that. This segment is sponsored by Zstack. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko uh, created a specially formulated immune boosting supplement that includes zinc, kirsten, vitamin C, vitamin D all in one, which makes it very user friendly and cheaper. Um, you can go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel and find it there. Uh, order some for your family. Uh, it is GMP certified. It's produced right here in the USA. USA. Promo code Daniel for a special uh, discount off your first order. That's zstacklife.com slash Daniel. Promo code Daniel. So I just want to say what, what this whole thing reminds me of is I, I was just thinking as I was talking about the ranchers. It reminded me of something. Ranchers wake up every day in fear. They literally have people walking in military-style processions across our border. In camo, some with drugs, I mean, when you have a lawless border, what do you think is coming across it? Those counties, like Kinney County, Texas, that's every bit of part of America is L.A., New York, Washington, and Boston. These are some of the most patriotic people, a lot of military veterans. They wake up every day with cut fences. Some of their livestock are killed. Things are stolen from them. They break into their homes, their vehicles. They're very desperate, these people. You have to understand. And imagine being there at night. This is on our own soil. The resources of the United States, the first line, meaning if you had to have the first priority, let's say we have no money, and you have to start with the, we have very little money, and the first expenditure you have to make. Right now, the bipartisan thing is Ukraine is the top thing. It would be our own international border and the people living there that they could be protected. But the same thing with COVID, the same thing with BLM and now Ukraine. This is the wealthy man's emotional indulgence orgy because largely we now have a a ruling class and then the ruling class has like, you know, just that you had the the feudal system in, in Europe. So, you know, they're the ones running the show, but then they have the people under them that kind of work for them. They don't have any say, but they earn four or $500,000 a year. So they, they don't have control on anything, but they're working as executives in these corporations. 
and they're fine. So they're earning a lot of money. COVID fascism doesn't affect them. They're in gated communities, so the crime doesn't affect them. The, the You ain't having illegal aliens and, and refugees going in there. But then, you know, because these people are largely less and less religious as time goes on, they, they feel some sort of vacuum in their soul. So they need something to virtue signal about at any given moment. So Ukraine, don't you care about those people? Mind you, they'll never go over there. They'll, they might donate to some sort of stupid, quirky thing. You know, they have so much money. They'll never lay it on the line for anything. They could afford to virtue signal over other people. It's disgusting. And these are the people running our, our, our country to make themselves feel good. And I'm not just talking about the Democrats. This is the Freedom Caucus type of guys. To make themselves feel good, Ukraine all the time. And again, no understanding. You pump in six to ten billion into Ukraine. What do you th- what do you think is gonna happen? We're gonna get sucked in and sucked in, and they're doing that on purpose, by the way, just so you know. They can't come, no one, no one wants to send troops, but they know eventually that will force the situation. What you think Russia this is on Russia's border. Half of the country is pro-Russia or at least a third of it, they're not going away. This is where they are. We're, we're going to dump it, jump into that dumpster fire, and somehow it's not going to be a long-term problem. And then, like, I keep, I keep hearing from people, oh, we have to deter China and Taiwan. That's, like, the conservative argument. It's like, I don't understand. If we get ourselves exhausted in another dumpster fire, that's exactly when they're going to attack, because then we'll have even less will and manpower and money to deal with China. I, j- I just don't understand it. It's it's absolutely disgusting. But that's the corruption. Only a corrupt government would do this to our own people. Allow this to happen. The, the number of bioweapon stuff that there is in Ukraine is is really disturbing, by the way. The stuff we have there. And then let me illustrate the point I'm trying to make today. The West is more broken and corrupt than the East. We don't have anything to fight with. Washington Free Beacon. As Russia wages war, U.S. Army trains officers on gender identity. The mandatory presentation they had called Policy on the Military Service of Transgender Persons and Persons with Gender Dysphoria was given to officers earlier this month along with instructions to them to train their subordinate subordinates on the material. Portions of the presentation were provided to the Free Beacon by a whistleblower who was ordered to undergo the training as a high-ranking officer in the Army Special Forces. So now our Special Forces guys are being rotted out. Um... The transgender presentation follows on a June 2021 announcement by the Army altering its policy so that transgender soldiers can serve openly. Um, And they, they have several hypothetical scenarios for how soldiers should be treated. In one situation, a soldier was assigned male at birth, says he identifies as a female, lives as a female in his off duty hours, and is not requesting to be treated as a female while on duty. So in that case, the soldiers should be treated with dignity and respect and no further action is required. But if the transgender soldier, however, later requests to be identified as a female during duty tours 
and or experiences increased distress relating to his gender identity, then the officer in charge must inform the soldier of the Army's transgender policy and recommend that he sees a military medical provider. Gender transition in the Army begins when the soldier receives a diagnosis from a military medical provider indicating that gender transition is medically necessary. Folks, I could go on and on here, but you get the point. My fellow conservative colleagues will tell me, Daniel, I agree with you on that, but but still, Putin, Putin's a problem. But at some point, this matters. At some point, we don't have a country, we don't have a United States government, we don't have a NATO, and we don't have a military. And all you're going to do by getting involved from a position of weakness is harm us more, sap our money, sap our strength, get us more involved in, in more quagmires, cause more pain to everyone, in the long run, you're not going to save the Ukrainian people. And of course, you're ignoring everything that matters here. Ukraine is the fourth vaccine. Ukraine is the fourth dose. That's the new booster. Because it became clear that Pfizer was negative effective. So now we have the Ukraine booster. This is the new globalist agenda. Make no mistake about it. This is an all-white Retro country, low vaccination rate, that is the last type of thing you would expect people to... I mean, these guys are talking about slaughtering Russians and not allowing them to um, to uh, surrender. There are, you know, whether they like it or not, there are a lot of neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine. It's just a fact. Um, I'm not saying the average person is, and most people are, but definitely they're de- definitely fighting alongside them. And we want to send money to them. When has our... Has have Western governments ever supported this type of stuff? I'm just saying, like, the Ukrainian type of fighters are the antithesis of the type of things that we've been supporting until now. And yet they're all in, but they're not really all in. What is the agenda? I don't know what it is yet, but two things I do know. Number one, they're clearly covering up a lot of dirty play that they've had getting back to Hunter Biden-style scandals in Ukraine that I believe a lot of these Western oligarchs were involved in. But number two, at a minimum, it is a distraction. At a minimum, it's allowing them to get away with murder on every domestic policy that matters. It is disgusting that Republicans are going to lay down the line on Ukraine. Like, at least if you're going to make it about Putin, at least get drilling and the Keystone Pipeline in the budget bill. Okay, forget about the vaccine, forget about the injury, the bioterrorism committed by our own government, the mandates, the liberty issues, the um, obviously the border. At least you'd get energy because that flows right from this issue. Let's fight Putin, right? Nope. Just an unconditional blank check to the dubious Ukrainian government. Again, I could, I could find any war... And I can make you cry your eyes out over innocent people. And there are innocent people in all these things. That's why war is so bad. But you have to have a public policy ability to even affect the outcome in a positive way, even if you believe it's morally justified to expend American time, talent, and treasure and distract from what we need to do here at home. Remember, people seem to forget the American government is not a charitable organization. Its sole purpose is to protect the people of the United States. If you want to set up an NGO, you could do that. I don't know why that's so hard to understand. But before I blow a gasket, 
I figure I'll get um get our guest on today. Our guest segment is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Have you ever, guys, have you ever wondered why the internet access is so much cheaper these days? Right? Internet is very cheap. 30, 40 bucks a month. It's because internet service providers aren't just making their money off of your subscription fee. They're making money from spying on your internet activities, selling your history and data to the big tech companies that are largely behind J6, Floyd, COVID, and Ukraine. So what's the best way to make sure 100% of your data is encrypted? You guessed it, ExpressVPN. They are the secure VPN that I use um, on all my devices. It reroutes my connection through a secure server. It blocks my ISP from being seen anywhere online. It's truly a mask, except one that actually works, unlike the Chinese face diapers. It's a mask for your computer. It makes your... um thing anonymous your your isp it uh, works on all your devices with the click of a button i can't sh- stress this enough it is so easy to use one tap of an app boom you got it you got your devices connected your data is your business keep it away from the people that wish us ill that hate us protect it at expressvpn.com slash conservative um you get an extra three months of expressvpn protection for free if you go there that's expressvpn.com slash conservative now folks we've been in this position before it's actually the month of march march 3rd and i'm thinking back to another very ominous march two years ago 2020 when i felt isolated i felt in the same position Everyone was like, yes, Daniel, you're right. We do kind of have the liberty to, like, you know, move about and live. And we don't like spending trillions of dollars underwriting a fascist regime that will make sure we can't move and live. But a pandemic is different. Okay. So we got into that. And there was one man who stood up and said, no, um, we're going to force a recorded vote. And he stood against the entire world. And time proved him right very quickly, actually. And here we are again. Oh, Daniel, you're right. We do need to focus domestically, but this is different. This is Putin and Ukraine. I mean, haven't you heard of Ukraine? Ukraine. I mean, there's nothing greater than that. And yes, I know we bankrupted ourselves from the previous exception to our rule of being a fiscal conservative. But, you know, what's another six, ten billion dollars? You know, it's just it's just some arms. You know, it's not like we're going to send troops anyway. Just you know, airdrop some arms there, will be good. Um, Yesterday, they held a resolution, one of these typical, you know, stand with Ukraine resolutions, kind of these foreign policy condemning things, uh, commemorating things. And as always, there's one man who stands alone. There are actually three, uh, Paul Goser of uh, Arizona, Matt Rosendale of Montana, and our next guest, Congressman Thomas Massey, 4th District of Kentucky, uh, the Lone Ranger, welcome back to see our podcast, Lone Ranger. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Daniel. Yeah, it's lonely being the Lone Ranger. I'm, I'm glad that Rosendale and Gosar uh, joined me on this vote. Uh, but you're right, two years ago, think about all the lies and hyperbole that was fed to the American people um, in the name of COVID to motivate the spending, the, the restrictions on your liberty, and, uh, you know, you're seeing it now. So I don't I don't know why the American people and or especially my colleagues, I don't want to indict the American people because a lot of them have their heads screwed on straight. Not the not my colleagues. I don't know why they're believing everything they see on the TV 
and why they are throwing away their conservative sensibilities. Uh, given all the lies that we were told during COVID uh, that have come to be known now. So one of the things I like about you is that you don't fall into emotional indulgence, emotional narratives. You look, you, you think things out strategically. And on the surface is a very tough vote because the vote wasn't even on a specific policy. It was just a resolution basically, you know, condemning Russian forces, saying we stand unequivocally with uh, Ukraine's sovereignty by the way, it's interesting. <laughs> Sovereignty, nationalism. I mean, it's it's amazing yeah. what's being supported now. Um, heck, even some neo-Nazi groups. I mean, these guys are real hardcore now suddenly when it comes to other people's countries. But the point is, it sounds very nice sounding. Um, Congressman Massey, do you not support the Ukrainian people? Does this mean that you have no problem with what Russia did? <laughs> well, the name of the resolution is supporting the people of Ukraine. It, you know, if that's what the resolution was, once you started reading it, I would have no problem supporting the people of Ukraine. They have the right to self-determination, and, and I will support their right to self-determination. And Putin has uh, committed aggression here. And I hope, you know, they can defend their homeland. And, uh, and you're right about one thing, nationalism. You know, that's a dirty word. That is almost you almost can't even say that now, the word nationalist or nationalism in the context of Americans. But if you say it about Ukrainians now, you know, oh, that's fine. That's great. Um, But I do support their sense of national pride and their sense of a common culture. That's what holds their country together, I believe, now that they're being attacked by Russia. Putin had this idea that Ukrainians were nostalgic, as he may be, for the Soviet Union and for this uh, kinship or this association between the two countries. But the reality is you've had two generations grow up who haven't been under the Soviet Union, and not all of the old folks are nostalgic for what happened under the Soviet Union. If the Ukrainian people fight back, and I'm not talking about the Ukrainian army, that's their job, they're paid to do it. If the Ukrainian people in their pajamas are willing to go to the window and shoot a Russian soldier on the corner uh, of their street, then they will eventually gain their freedom. They will have their country. But if this is a custody battle for Ukraine between the United States and Russia or between the European Union and the Soviet Union, we're talking about two unions here who are trying to form. If it's a custody battle, then they do not come out of this independent. So what they're arguing is that, look, you know, we're not asking to have a custody battle and they are willing to fight. But, you know, they're obviously outgunned by the Russian army. Um, Just send them some weapons. Let's send them some six billion, ten billion dollars and we'll just give them weapons and they'll beat up Putin. And we won't have to get our soldiers involved, but we'll be standing for what's right. And, you know, we have unlimited money anyway, evidently. Um, I, I guess that's kind of their argument. What would you say to that? Well, I'd be fine selling them weapons, but I don't want to conscript men and women in the United States to go fight for uh, the country of Ukraine. And I don't want to conscript the taxpayers either to be obligated to an open-ended confrontation that could go on for years. This resolution that is titled Supporting the People of Ukraine, it promises within it additional and immediate – I'm using the exact words – Defensive security assistance. Okay, if they meant hardware, it would say hardware. But this term is so broad, 
It could include American boots on the ground, or as some of my colleagues have already stated in the Senate and the House, it could be U.S. enforcement of a no-fly zone. Yep. We should not be shooting down jets of another nuclear power. This is inviting danger. And I've got a commitment to 750,000 people in Kentucky to look out for their best interests. And if let's say there's a 1% chance of a nuclear war developing from this confrontation, I hope it's that low. I should not be in Congress doing things that raise that probability to 5%. I should be seeking to reduce it to 0% if I'm looking out for our people. That's that's an interesting way of putting it because what what I again what I like about it and I would have thought the same way. I don't know if I would have had the guts to take the vote you did, but what you're what you're really fighting against is I think this pattern that we have. I call this the fourth vaccine. Um <laughs> in two different ways. We're up to number 4 in terms of the doses, but it's also the fourth vaccine. If you look at COVID March 2020, May 2020 BLM Floyd, and then January 6, 2021, that whole thing, this is really the fourth vaccine of the globalist agenda in the sense that each one, it's like, do you support grandma dying? Do you support knees of police on people's necks for whatever nine minutes? Do you support attacking the Capitol? Do you support Putin just, you know, killing people and and attacking innocent civilians and invading Ukraine. And these are all things that are obviously, well, yeah, I mean, no, of course we don't support those things, but where are you coming from and where are you headed with, with this degree of emotional indulgence? And, and that's what concerns me. And I think you're trying to say, wait a minute, like, yeah, if this is a resolution, okay, but, where are you headed with this? And I think we know it has much more uh, behind it. Are you bothered by the fact that I have never seen a time in history where the world was so unanimously and emphatically behind um, a certain uh, country in a conflict all against the aggressor? 100%. There's Everyone's against them. Yet they've done so little. What does it tell us that the heads of France and Germany and Eng- England, they're literally saying this is the Hitler-Poland World War II moment, yet they have not pledged a dime of meaningful boots on the ground and arms and planes to Ukraine. Or, or, or even a, a real sanction. Do you notice the, the only pipeline that's been sanctioned is the one that's not had oil flowing <laughs> through it ever, Nord Stream 2. Meanwhile, they're, they're you know, millions of, of barrels of oil and, and gas flowing. Uh, you call it the fourth shot or the fourth vaccine. I might call this the eighth trillion dollar or the eight trillionth dollar uh, be, of this because in the beginning, two years ago, they said we're going to spend $2 trillion on COVID, in the name of COVID. Well, that went to – and they told me, calm down, Massey. The, the reason it's so expensive is so we don't have to pass another one of these. Well, they they passed like three and a half more of those bills, <laughs> and we got up to seven trillion. This is an open-ended commitment here. I know that the the bills they're discussing begin with a B in billions, but it could turn into trillions. And then you have, the, in some sense, now I don't know what's gotten into the 
members of the European Union. Maybe they're just excited at their own expansion uh, over there in Europe, in France and Germany. But in the United States, I think this is the long tail of Trump derangement syndrome. You know, there's, they call something long COVID. Well, this is long Trump derangement syndrome. These uh, Russian soldiers, in a way, are proxies for the, the target of the anger of the never Trumpers. They associated for some bizarre reason Russia with Trump. And now this is their in their mind. This is how they uh, how they actualize it. Is they is they join the battle? Not none of them would ever go there personally, and as soon as it costs a dime, they're probably not really for it. By the way, we're still buying oil from Russia. The United States is, and in a briefing that I received from from the president's cabinet to Congress, they said, "Well, the reason we're still buying oil from Russia is we don't want the American consumers to suffer." Well. <laughs> Something doesn't match up here. <laughs> uh, by the way, I have to I have to talk about this. I don't know what direction you will be going next, but another thing in this resolution that I have a problem with is it condemns the government of Belarus. We sh- we shouldn't be seeking to name new enemies and over and commit to overturning new governments. Yeah, when we're when we should be de-escalating here. Look, without without litigating. Whether Belarus's leader is a dictator or not, if you're if you are between Russia and Ukraine, do you really and you're not a superpower? Do you really have much choice when he says we're coming through, and and we're going to pick up some conscripts on the way and some fuel? You don't really have much choice. Are we going to name everybody who's still associating with? Russia and enabling this as an enemy. If we are, then maybe we should name ourselves because we're still buying their oil. So to to expand this to another country that's in the region, you know, the to be the the object of our ire and our condemnation and a resolution supporting the people of Ukraine, I think is wrong, and it it could inflame things over there. And what I'm getting from what you're saying is kind of the theme we've been pushing that. You can have the West versus the East if the West is no longer the West. In other words, when we have this much corruption in our own government, as we're seeing, they're going all out against an enemy, but they're not really doing what it takes. Like, if I were the Republicans, so I I get the message from Republicans, conservatives, House, Senate, the border doesn't matter, the mandates don't matter, COVID's over, even though it's not over, um, all the onerous mandates on the military are still in place, and they don't seem to care, but... Putin's the biggest problem now, okay? It's not our own issues. It's not China. It's Putin. Okay, fine. Well, if you're going to go all out, shouldn't you, before you, like, give $10 billion in the budget to Ukraine, at a minimum, jujitsu the left's own obsess- obsession with Russia, get the Keystone Pipeline, get some drilling, get the FERC regulations off, the permitting, right? At least g- get something for it. Are, are you seeing any effort hmm. to coalesce behind that? Uh, I don't see legislative efforts. Uh, I see messaging efforts from individual members of Congress. Yeah, but as far as our leadership, now in this resolution, I I remember complaining, by the way, most of my colleagues didn't read this resolution, all seven pages of it, okay, and fully. All right, 
but so I end up on the floor, not talking to my colleagues about my objections in this resolution, but I end up debating with staff, like the staff who worked on this resolution. And one of my, I had a complaint of, you know, that I voiced to the staff about one of the things in here and they said, oh, well, we had to give that to the Democrats so we could get this strongly worded statement on energy <laughs> in this resolution. So uh, strongly so worded statement. I love that non-binding resolutions rhetoric. They're always good when it doesn't matter, when the ball is not in play, which leads me. I, this is what I want to ask you. Let me wait, wait. Let me read the strongly worded resolution. Oh, I did it. The strongly worded. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This this resolution now, therefore, be it resolved, the United States, the Congress pledges to support working with Europe and international po- partners to bolster energies, your Europe's energy security and reduce its dependence on Russian energy imports. Underscores the importance of maintaining U.S. energy independence for the benefit of the American people and United States allies. That's what they thought they won in this resolution to get that statement. They, they gave up other things to the Democrats. Oh, I'll tell you what that means. They don't say they're going to ramp up production. What they say is less dependency on Russian oil. That means, Mr. Massey, you can't drive. Um, yeah, they'll take. Oh, I'm saying yes. there's two ways of doing it. There's ramping up supply, and then there's clamping down on, on demand and, and consumption, right? And that's that's what, oh, they'll work on that all right. And And I really do wonder, because a lot of us are trying to grope in the dark. We're like... This doesn't – on the surface, there's nothing I find offensive. Like, I mean, Daniel, the money I, – I, you know what I, I mean? I thought – yeah, I thought I had read this and, and understood all the bad things in this resolution, but you – No, that's where it is. Obvious. I'm, I'm telling you, Thomas, that's where obvious. it is. When I read this statement now again, it says nothing about increasing supply. Nope. So basically the Democrats have swindled the Republicans – into in, into committing to green energy uh, <laughs> in this resolution because that's what this means in the absence of of stating specifically that we're going to do a pipeline or a refinery or some permit or offshore uh, near the United States it, in the absence of that in this statement it basically means we're going to uh, <laughs> all take a bus to work yep and uh, who knows what? If you think about it, that's why this is the fourth vaccine. Because what what happened was like this: when when people were starting emoting and caring about Ukraine, okay, so like you know, it was a normal level. It didn't bother me. I have nothing against Ukraine, and I've always hated Putin. I hate the Russians. I, I there's certainly no love loss for the Russians. But then it reached this feverish pitch that was like. I had a sick feeling. I said, I've seen this indulgence with BLM, with J6, and with COVID, and it's there's something not right here. There's some sort of ulterior agenda other than caring about innocent Ukrainian civilians. There's something going on here. And I'm not saying this is the play, but there is some sort of a play, and, and it could be this, that they'll be like, this is an emergency, because once they have the emergency powers, remember— you have to do this. They ill-define a problem. They create a problem. They exacerbate a problem. They block off the proper way of dealing with it, and then you're stuck with their problem. No ivermectin, no hydroxychloroquine, no steroids, no treatment, outpatient, inpatient, create a virus, um, make it worse with all the MPIs, ruin natural immunity. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Just die? you got to get the vaccine. 
similar thing here. And, and we'll give and we'll give you remdesivir when you get yeah, COVID anyway. Exactly. So the green energy is the remdesivir, and you know the the pipelines and the drilling is the ivermectin, and uh, Zelensky is the Fauci or the Floyd. You know, kind of a mixture, I'd say, between the two uh, yeah. narratives. And, and um, the you know, RNA lab, the experiment. Uh, it's Wuhan. <laughs> it's Wuhan. Oh my God! I mean, th- th- this is so. So let me ask you this: You're there. Some of these guys are your friends. This is what I can't understand. You, this is not only roping in the same people who are hoodwinked by COVID, but even some of the few who weren't and saw through it. And you would think, certainly after the two years of lies, they're all into it. Like there are certain very conservative members I'm seeing. They've dropped all the other issues. They got the Ukrainian flags. We're all Zelensky. We're all Ukraine. Zelensky's God. I mean, what? what is what? I guess my question is, you see these people in the flesh. I can't relate to a human being that watches everything going on in America and is barely passionate about it. And then somehow when it comes to another country, and we've seen this before, but never as strongly as we do now, their testosterone levels go up 100, level, 100 points. In some sense, though, they're, it's, it's a downstream. They're responding to their constituents who are being fed something in the media. And so uh, the people who want that reaction in Congress, they've, they know – they could come to and lobby Congress, but it's much easier to create a narrative in the media and broadcast that as people who are stuck to their TVs are consuming that and then calling their congressmen and, and telling them, do this, do that. Uh, look, I got text messages from big donors to my campaign who are like, you know, you need to get out there and condemn <laughs> Russia. You need, we need sanctions. You need to be stronger on Ukraine. It's so because I'm receiving those text messages, I understand what my colleagues are receiving. And I have colleagues, and let's not mention any names later in this show so that I don't accidentally yep. um, relate who I'm talking about. But there, there are some who I spoke with, uh, whom I spoke with, who were – considering voting present or no on this, but when they got to the floor, they voted yes. And I walked on the floor and voted no as soon as I could to send up a signal. What I was told, by the way, Daniel, again, I'm not going to say which colleague, we really want to see a wall of green, you know, because when you vote yes on the board, it shows up as a green Y, and there could be 430-some green Ys on the board. Uh they said, we really, you know, Massey, we really need to see a wall of green. And they said, well, you're not going to see a wall of green. Get over that. There's, <laughs> there's going to be one red vote. And, and then when I got there, they tried to plea bargain down to a present. They're like, well, could you just change it to present? And the present shows up as yellow on the screen. And so it would have been a wall of green with a yellow present next to my name. So, as you know, what's interesting is, I I had considered voting present. I'm going to be honest with you. I had considered it because the title of the bill, I agree with the title of the bill. But the, there were so many onerous things in here that I decided this bill deserved a resounding no. 
And, yeah. but so I went in, I put the no on the board. I let them know that this was not going to be a green board. There was going to be at least one person who was not going to vote for this. And to, and, and Gosar and Rosendale came in and posted their red votes as well. But there were no, none of the people that I spoke to about, well, maybe they would vote present. Maybe they would vote no with me. They, they did not materialize. Now, I will say, and I've heard a lot of their rationale for this, they are saving their powder for the consequential vote. This, and, and let me explain what I mean by this. This legislation was a House resolution. It, was, it does not carry the force of law. It's not, uh, it's not a, a bill, and it's not a joint resolution. It will never go to the Senate, and it will never be signed by the president. So it's just sort of saber-rattling and chest-thumping and, 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 and a degree of, of expressing some solidarity or support for uh, Ukraine people, which I have that. I feel that myself, but not the other things. So this is a House resolution, not a bill. It doesn't spend money. And so I'm defending my colleagues who voted for it. Uh, and some of them said, I'll be there voting no on the bill that actually spends money. And, but I think they're sort of setting themselves up by voting for this. They've already established the predicate maybe that they support all these things. So their constituency will receive a bit of whiplash when they see that they voted for this seven-page resolution, but they're not going to vote for the four-page spending bill or or 40 page, whatever it ends up being. But, um, you know, that's a, that's sort of a, a tepid defense of my colleagues who voted. Sure. Yes, sure. But, but putting now. aside those colleagues, I think that you're talking about kind of the freedom caucus types. Um, they'll, they'll be against the budget. They'll be against the omnibus. They always are, but the other Republicans are not. And, and this is the question I have for you. And a lot of people are wondering, the Republicans have made it very clear that they will never use the budget as leverage. In other words, when you don't have the presidency, so you need him to sign your bill. But on the other hand, he needs you to jump on board the budget, even though they don't have control. But they do have a filibuster enabling Senate minority that's, you know, pretty strong. It's not 41 seats. It's actually 50. And Democrats have very tenuous control in the Senate. And there are so many popular issues they could crush them on energy, the border, and obviously the CMS and uh, military mandates. Um, we absolutely need a, a budget fight to withhold the budget. They'll never do that. Yesterday, in fact, they held the standalone vote. And actually, because Democrats were absent, Republicans won the vote and they voted to strike down the CMS mandate. The only problem is it's got to pass the House and be signed by the president. And they know it won't. So they get to say they voted for it on the bill that won't go anywhere, just like you're talking about. And then when it matters, which is fighting over the budget, well, I won't let out the budget if you don't include this in there. That's when they give it up. We're all hoping that, oh, they take back the House and Senate. Can you explain to this audience what exactly will change on the other mm. side of hypothetically a very, very strong victory in November? Let's say, I'm just saying it, let's say they get 270 seats in the House 58 seats in the Senate. Okay, tell me what changes if they'll never fight on a budget bill. Okay, let me tell you what's going to happen, and let me tell you what should happen. Don't, don't confuse the two. What's going to happen is the omnibus will have a Republican's name on it as the sponsor instead of a Democrat's name. And it will fund everything in one vote. 
and they, uh, the leadership will go to the freshmen. Now, by freshmen, I mean the freshmen who get elected this election cycle, but the freshmen from last election cycle uh, as well, because they've never been in the majority, and they've always uh, been rewarded for voting no. When they get in the majority, they are going to be freshmen, even though they've already been here two years. The leadership will go to that group of Republicans and say to them after 2022 elections, this, I know you're excited and I know you want to fight, but we don't have a president who will sign our bills. So we need no drama. We need to fund these things, get through the next two years, and let's get a, a president elected who will sign our bills. And then at that point, we can fight. And oh, by the way, we just don't want to be blamed in any scenario for a shutdown. Public opinion will move against us if we if we get the blame for a shutdown. Here's here's why that's so wrong. I, and I'm going to be running around trying to explain this to those 80 Republicans who've never seen this play out. By the way, a lot of the other ones know it's a scam and they're going to go along with it anyway. But I'll go to the ones who are innocent because they've never participated in the scam. Explain to them what's going to happen and, and what should happen. Uh, what should happen is instead of passing an omnibus bill, because we control the process, we should be passing separate bills that fund separate things. Why has every president who's been elected longed for a line-item veto? Because when you legislate line by line, you have far more power than if you throw it all in one bill. And the problem with this omnibus bill that Republicans will do, it will fund Planned Parenthood in some way, shape, or form, and it will have a raise for the soldiers. So they will tell these 80 new Republicans, go home and defend your vote and say there's no way you could vote against this omnibus bill because it had a pay raise for the soldiers. Well, the pay raise for the soldiers should be a separate bill when we are in the majority. We control that. We have that power. And the funding for the national parks should be a separate bill. And the funding for NASA, because nobody wants to shut down over NASA. They're not ready to fight that, even though we, we should be defunding all the global warming, global climate change agenda at NASA. But I understand that's not the fight for today. We should fund DHS separately from uh, the Department of Labor. The FBI should be funded separately. That way, when we send those bills to Joe Biden, those Republican bills to Joe Biden, he can either choose to fund the FBI or not fund the FBI, and it won't be a shutdown of the entire government and a lot of the things people like. It will be a, a, a referendum only on, let's say, the wall yep. or uh, the border, or it'll be a or referendum on how much— the mandates. Put Let me ask you this, the, Thomas. What happens with yeah. the mandates? I mean, I, I like I mentioned to a lot of people, I know you have a son in the military— um, it's not just a matter of those getting kicked out, but they're going to keep this permanently. There's no, there's no inkling that they're going to terminate it. It's going to affect an entire generation of children, people who made the right decision, even even earlier on before we learned how problematic these shots are. Um, you know, kids really should never have experimented with this. So you know, they have the lowest rate as they should. That entire generation of children are going to be ineligible for the military. Um, Republicans take over. How do you think that plays out? Before there were any mandates, this is back when Joe Biden and Jen Psaki were still saying that they wouldn't do mandates, <laughs> vaccine mandates. Back when they were saying that, I knew they were lying, and I got on the ball and introduced H.R. 3860, 
almost a year ago to forestall this. And I, I, it basically says you can't do a COVID vaccine mandate on the military. Uh, and I didn't say whether it was FDA approved or not FDA approved because now we and I and that was a good decision because there's been a whole shell game on that. Daniel, do you, could you can you believe there's only 63 Republican co-sponsors on that bill? There should be every Republican should be on that bill. Frankly, every Democrat, but I understand they're playing politics here and they're going to empower the Secretary of Defense. This. Every this should already pass, but here's the tragedy. I haven't gone back to look and see how many of those 63 are on the Armed Services Committee, the Committee of Jurisdiction, and the committee that can bring this bill up when we get the majority. I suspect there are very few on the Armed Services Committee. Uh, and my apologies to the few that may be on there who are on the Armed Services Committee. But uh, the chairman, I don't think the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, when it's a Republican, is going to support getting rid of vaccine mandates. And I don't think a majority of Republicans on that committee will get rid of the vaccine mandates for the military. This is shameful. This is shameful because there's no science behind it. The, I know a lot of people like to point back to the Continental Army and George, General George Washington and say, well, you know, the precedent was established. Uh, during the Revolutionary War when George Washington, you know, let's set aside the fact that smallpox killed like 30 percent of the people who got it was a totally different uh, disease, totally different, you know, scenario in terms of mortality. I called up Mount Vernon, the repository for all the George Washington's records, and I said, did George Washington take a smallpox inoculation? And the expert there said, no, why would he? He'd already had smallpox when he was a teenager. Wow. And then I... Then I got the documents on his directive to the military to take smallpox inoculation. He said, for all those those who have not had it. In other words, if you'd already had smallpox, he wasn't going to tell you to take the inoculation. Because we had more common sense and and respect for soldiers 200-plus years ago than Joe Biden has now. And we didn't have information at the time that the shots caused thousands of categories of adverse events, like Pfizer's document that was just foiled and dropped. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that kind of matters. Um, and that's what shocks me. Republicans haven't changed. So final question with that, let me ask you, what difference would it make? What what exactly do you hope to accomplish Um if you're in the majority, I mean, is it maybe a commission on COVID fascism on to investigate all this stuff that Senator Johnson has been trying to do unilaterally? Is it more investigational stuff? I mean, what what are they what do we hope to accomplish? Because what I'm gathering from your statement is that nothing has changed from the last number of years with Kevin McCarthy and these guys since they were in the majority last time. One thing, okay, <laughs> we, you and I get together. We probably depress all each other. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're looking for pharmaceuticals in their cabinet right now <laughs> to find, to get over this podcast. But uh, let me give you some hope. Uh, never before have we had a ranking member who's going to become a chairman as conservative as Jim Jordan. This on and he's going to be presumably the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and I was able to get on that committee, this Congress, 
I, I think the oversight there will be genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had Merrick Garland in front of me, sworn in, testifying. This is oversight over the DOJ and the FBI. Uh, and some of your listeners may have seen this. I asked him how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 5th and January 6th agitating for entering the Capitol and, and how many of themselves entered the Capitol. And he refused to answer the question. He says their policy not to answer a question like that. <laughs> okay. I, I have to remind my colleagues, we, Congress created the DOJ. Congress created the FBI. Like, they're not in the Constitution per se. These are creations, fabrications of Congress. And we can't allow them to give us an answer like that. I hope that we deauthorize a program or something every time they refuse to answer. If we, if we just would do that a few times, they would quit this nonsense yep. that they are another branch of the government or that they operate independently of the president and independently of Congress. They do not. They're subservient to both. Okay? And so I'm hopeful that we will get oversight over DOJ, FBI, ATF. Uh, we'll bring them in. They'll have to answer our questions. If they stonewall, the, really the only way we have power is to cut their budgets. I had breakfast with Antonin Scalia uh, and about 12 other congressmen before he passed away, and the congressmen were imploring him to restore constitutional balance of government. This was when Obama was president and we were in the majority. And Scalia laughed at him and said, you guys are the most powerful (laughs) branch of government, and you already have all the tools you need in the Constitution to establish that. And uh, one of my colleagues said, but, you know, impeachment, it's just so hard to pull off an impeachment. And Scalia says, I'm not talking about impeachment. (laughs) You have the power of the purse, and everything you complain about, you turn around and fund. (laughs) Quit funding it if you don't like it. It all so, gets back this, to that. That's why what you're saying, everything is a sham. Because even the oversight, you're right, it could build momentum, but then you use that momentum that you built with the public. And believe me, all these Republicans are going to be with their like, you know, tough line of questioning. They want their videos on YouTube or if they get banned on Rumble, whatever. You know, but then what are you going to do with it? It all gets back to the budget if you're not willing. If you from day one tell Biden that we are so deathly afraid of budget brinkmanship that ultimately we will give send to your desk what you want, then you're done. I mean, and I just, yeah. I don't see that changing, but it, here's, here's we'll the try. Other thing on the budget. The three-letter agencies, CMS, uh, D- Department of Labor, uh, OSHA, I know that's four letters, uh, the, the, all of these agencies, CDC, that were weaponized, to carry out the vaccine mandate tyranny, the COVID tyranny, they were the foot soldiers. They're going to be they, – you can't fire them when Republicans get the majority. They are dug in. They, this is trench warfare. But we turn around. They're like pet snakes. We, we, we give them care and feeding when we're in the majority. <laughs> I'm going to predict – that in the two years that we're in the majority and Biden's in the, in the White House, that we actually increase the budget of all of these three-letter agencies that have carried out, the, knowing that it's unconstitutional, yep. but dutifully carrying out the, the COVID tyranny. And we shouldn't. We should cut them all. 
because if we can't fire them, we can we can cut their budgets, and then yep. they, they won't. They, be there. they never do it, and and believe me, they they I agree with you. They will be increasing their funding because I think based on what we're seeing, uh, unfortunately, there's quite a lot of ailments that will be going on, and uh, they'll be there to pick up the pieces from the mess they created and blame it on everyone else, and then they're now the firefighters. Um, you know, it reminds me of uh, Hezbollah when they had a war with Israel. They used to do that. They'd blow up a joint, and then they'd come up and dress like like rescue workers and come in. It is Elias bombing, and then you know they come with the stretchers and everything. Right. And that's that's what they're like. They're, they're actually going to benefit off of it. Like, oh, you know, there's all these uh, you know hematological blood clotting disorders. We got to study that, and you know, send more money to Pfizer and Merck so they can uh, <laughs> deal with it. Oops. Let me, let me tell you something. Okay, so th- uh, there's something we could do now. Every congressman should be doing it that I am doing. I will not take a meeting in my office or anywhere with any company that's imposing a vaccine mandate they or representative thereof or lobbyist from, and I won't take their money. And this is driving them crazy. And uh, I had to cancel my fundraiser. Uh, which, you know, they're, they're called corporate PACs. They're actually donations from the individuals in the company. But if it's a company directing that money from their employees and that company has a vaccine mandate, I will not meet with them. And if it's a union, for instance, I've always met with the uh, Treasury employer, Employees Union for uh, 10 years. I've always taken their meeting. Well, they, and they called up, they wanted a meeting. And we said, well, you've got a vaccine mandate. And they said, but we're federal employees. We had no choice. And we said, but look at your website. Your union supports vaccine mandates right here on your website. No deal. <laughs> so I don't meet with them. If every Republican would just refuse to meet with the people carrying out this tyranny, it would, this would go away in a week. It would go away wow. in a week. But, but they, they don't have the stomach to do it. They're afraid they'll offend somebody. Uh, you know, and this is why we are where we are. Um, you know, we're we're just at a time. I just want to know when are you running for governor? <laughs> uh, not this cycle. <laughs> oh man, we'll be dead by, the way, by then. Forget it. <laughs> no deal. We're gonna. I, I'm hopeful uh, that we're gonna have a liberty option, of a real fighter running for governor in Kentucky, and I'll have to come back on your show when and if that's a thing. It won't be me. But the Kentucky governor race is uh, actually not in 2022. It's in 23. And so uh, it will be one of those you can pay attention to because there's only two other governor races that year. And, and people, I hope they will pay attention to it. We've got a governor right now who's a Democrat. His father was a governor in Kentucky. He came in uh, on his good name. You know, the father was Steve Bashir. The, the son is Andy Bashir. I call him the Andy variant of the Bashir virus. Uh, <laughs> it's caused loss of balance. These are the symptoms. Loss of balance in your bank account. Confusion because you don't know when your business can be opened. Delayed learning is a symptom of our Andy variant <laughs> because our kids haven't been in school. And shortness of breath. He went along with all the mask ridiculousness. So we'll, we will throw off the Andy variant. We'll find the antibodies. <laughs> It'll be nat- we'll get natural immunity in Kentucky in 2023. But it's it's not going to be me. 
It's not going to be you, but we better make sure it's not an antibody that's an auto-antibody or uh, creates or creates ADE and, and creates yeah. viral enhancement like uh, like the McConnell uh, sort of antibody. <laughs> All righty. Well, Thomas, um, I know you got to run back to voting today, but thanks for joining us as always. And folks, we are way out of time till tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.